Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that every message inspires you to become everything that God created you for. Every week, we send a message across the world made possible by incredible people who give generously. If you have not already done so, we want to invite you to join us. Text the word EASY to 94000 or go to newsongscs.com forward slash give and give a one-time or recurring gift and help us spread the gospel from Colorado Springs to the ends of the earth. We hope this message speaks to you in a way that will change your life. So I say to God, I do all these things. I, I'm even a pastor at a church. Isn't that great? And he says, yeah, but this is how the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You'll tell him what you think he needs to hear about you so that you can, he can say, well done. And then he says, no, are you everything that I called you to be? And I started thinking about how I... Um, minister not in the church but outside the church how do you do how are you a pastor outside of the church you know that we're all ministers how do you do outside the church when you're in church you give a smile and you do your thing god bless you well god bless you hallelujah hallelujah when you're out there and you meet with people that will never come to church there's certain kinds of people that they'll never go to church like no matter how cool your church is they won't come what do you do with them? Well, they're, that's their problem. No, it's not. It's God's people. All of us are God's people. You are God's people, but do you know those people, those people that you call those people? They're God's people too. God loves them all. He created them all. They're just not to, they haven't found him yet. And we're called to help them. And so God asked me the question, you know, is it, have you done everything you can? And I'm like, I think I have, but then he convicted me that I'm not. And so I went on a journey, and I thought I was on this journey already, but I don't think I was, of being intentional about people around me, not here, somewhere else, in my neighborhood, at the supermarket, who calls it a supermarket? Not me. The grocery store, wherever you're at, just to be intentional and connect with people. And I find that when I am intentional with connecting with someone, I, the Holy Spirit helps me. And I actually do a, not a terrible job at it. And none of us uh, would do as bad as we think we do because the Holy Spirit will help you. And um, so that started me on a quest at trying to be more intentional. And the passage of scripture I'm about to share has taken on new, um, like, legs. Like, you know, you read the Bible and you've read it and you're like, I know this story. You don't even have to tell it. I know it. And it means nothing to me anymore because I just know it. And this, this story took on new, not new meaning, but real meaning to me. It wasn't just a figurative story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It's found in Luke chapter 10. And I believe God would present a challenge to you, my sister, my brother. Yes, even you, Philip. I know you do a great job, and you're named after Philip in the Bible that went and talked to the guy that was a great evangelist. But you could do better as well. All of us could. challenging us 
to be a better neighbor. And so in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the likely story of the kind of people his audience sees every week. This is a story, it's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 36. You don't have to put that up there yet because that's the end of the story. It's a likely story because Jesus is telling it to church people. He's not telling it to other people, those, those people, whatever we call them. He's telling it to church people. He's telling it to the priests and the Levites and the, the helpers in the church. You know, almost any time that Jesus talked, he was talking and he usually had an attitude about it, you know, a conviction. He was talking to us, the church people. He wasn't talking to people that didn't know him yet. And um, I put up this slide that says Levites and priests because this is the story in a nutshell. I wrote it out so that you could see it, and I'm going to say it to you right now. Levites and priests often lived an 18-mile walk from the church. They did. And after their two weeks of uh, being on service, 24 hours a day, day and night, they were at the church working, they would get paid. And the way they get paid is through, like, food, stuff for their families, right? And then they'd switch out and walk a day's walk back home because most of them did not live where the city in Jerusalem, where the temple was. They lived outside of the temple, hence the story of the Good Samaritan. Outside, um, uh, a day's walk, 18 miles, um, and they carried their pay home, and it was usually in the form of food. It was a dangerous road that they walked on, and it was riddled with robbers and their ransacked victims. You like all the R's? It's riddled with the robbers and ransacked victims. This was, the, this was the street that they walked on the way home, and this is the setting, and you can leave this on, leave this slide up. This is the setting that Jesus tells the story of a good Samaritan. And instead of retelling how these folks um, are to avoid injured people on the streets because there was people that would get beat up and their, their food and things would get stolen for them. Instead of telling how you should avoid them, Jesus explains how one kind neighbor stopped and helped them. And to blow their minds even more, it was not the kind neighbor that they know, like someone at church, like Kevin or Stephanie or, or Th even Thomas. It was, it was someone that didn't go to church. It was someone that they, they shunned from the church. It was a group of people that they were very racist against. It was called the Samaritans. In fact, they were their enemies. And Jesus tells, it's a parable. It's not a true story. It's something he wants to be true, but he tells that, guess who helped him? Was it the priest? Was it the minister? Was it the church person? Was it the Foursquare guy or the Nazarene guy or the Baptist guy? No. It was the Samaritan that stopped, risked his life, and helped the guy. I don't want to help a guy that has blood on him. What if I get blood on me? He was unclean. You're not even supposed to get close to someone who is unclean. And it, it makes me think, and this is a side note, this is not part of the thing, but it makes me think about the people around me that I meet that aren't church people at all, 
And they seem to be so much more like Christ than some church people. And the Samaritan seemed to be this way. He never got taught how to act, but somehow there was good inside of him. Jesus, his spirit was in him, and he didn't even realize, and he helped this man. And not only did he help this poor guy on the side of the street, but he paid for immediate attention, and he paid for further attention later. He said, here's my credit card, and he had everything that this guy would need for the next week or month or year taken care of for him. He said, I'm going to take care of it for you. And it blew the church people's minds. He's like, how could this happen? Would I, would I do the same? <clears throat> you know, this is a parenthetical, but, you know, I told this story before, and I, I dressed up as a poor person, I don't know what you call it, a, like a homeless person, and I sat outside our church, and you guys all came in, and um, there was people like Jeff that stopped and helped me and wanted to bring me food, and, and then I walked down the aisle and, and as a homeless person, and then I came up and took the mic, and everyone was afraid, and then I said, oh, it's me, and then everyone felt bad that they didn't help me. Um, but that's, that, that's, the, that's as far as we go with the story. We think it has to do with just homeless people. And, and then he asked this question. Put the verse up. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 36 through 37. He says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? Was it the... Levite, was it the priest? Was it the people that passed by? No. The expert in the law said, well, it was um, the one, I don't even want to say his name, a Samaritan. I don't even, I don't even like Samaritans, so I'm not going to say. It was the one who had mercy on him, okay? I know the answer. And Jesus said, yeah, do it. That's what you're supposed to do. Jesus had a way of telling stories that people could not get out of it. This guy, this lawyer, was trying to get out of loving his neighbor, and he said, I guess it's the one that showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, do it. There might be many applications here, but one very obvious action that you could put into practice, you could put into practice, and I could put into practice, is that... We should show mercy. He said it was the one who showed mercy. Very rare in our day. Forget everything you know about the Good Samaritan, all right? Put it away. Act like you're hearing this for the first time. We could do better at showing mercy to people. Give them what they don't deserve. I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about what mercy is, but give them what they don't deserve. Let's start with the person next to you, the person you came with, the person that's sitting three, three rows ahead of you, the person that you know, you've known for a long time. Let's talk about your spouse. Let's talk about your roommate. Let's talk about your parents. Why do we assume that people should show us, give us what we don't deserve when we can't give them what they don't deserve? That would fix a whole lot of problems. If people would, 
if you would, if I would just give people what they don't deserve, well, they don't deserve it. I, duh, that's, that's the whole idea of it. Well, they don't deserve it. So I'm not giving it to them. Oh, so you determine whether they deserve it or not. And God is telling us to be a neighbor. You give people what they don't deserve. Who knows better than God? God told us, give them what they don't deserve. Well, I, you know, that doesn't sit well with me because they don't deserve it, right? Hadn't really thought of it that way until I just said it. But I do that. I pick and choose, like, that person doesn't deserve it. <laughs> they don't deserve it, so obviously I won't give it to them. But I will give it to this person. Well, is that love then? If you're like choosing who de deserves it? All right. Here's a little Bible lesson for you, a little Greek lesson. What is, what is the word that he's saying here? Because the Bible was written in a different language. And then King James and a lot of other folks translated it to English. And in English, some of the words don't fit. Because they had so many more words, so much more meaning to the words than just mercy. He said, show, it's the one who showed mercy. It's the word, and you can put it up there on the screen, splanknon. That's not how you pronounce it, but that's how we pronounce it. It's like Italians when they, you know, anyway, splanknon. It would be more like splanknon or something, I don't know. And here's what Splunknon meant. Mercy, you look in the Bible, it doesn't tell, or you look in the dictionary, it doesn't tell you a whole lot. But this word is full of meaning. Okay. Tenderness, compassion, affection. Compassion again. I, it was, uh, that's a typo, but you know. Compassion, intestines, we'll get back. Heart went out, accompanied with kindness that will meet the need. It is a gut feeling. Keep it up there. What did you notice intestines? This was the word they used. This is the same word that was used when Judas hung himself and his entrails fell out when he was hung. His intestines came out onto the, the hill. It's the same word that we use for compassion. It's the same word Jesus used. It is a deep-seated and I added the gut feeling. That's not part of it. It's like what we get, our word gut feeling. You have this gut feeling just inside. You feel it. You just feel it. Often we'll use the word heart instead of intestines. I love you with all of my intestines. <laughs> Tell that to someone and see what they say. See, oh, you're so romantic. But Jesus is making a point. You don't just give figurative, metaphorical love to your neighbor. You feel it from the ins insides out. Well, I don't have the time. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for my neighbors, I don't have time to feel that much. I don't have the bandwidth. Do you sometimes that you even have it in you to care that much? I don't care about you that much. I'm sorry, you might say to someone. I don't have the time to feel it from my intestines. Deep feelings of compassion. But Jesus always sets the bar a little higher, doesn't he, as I drop my Bible. 
Jesus always sets the bar higher. I wish that Jesus would set the bar very low. He tells us, get to know their names, and I'm setting the bar super low for you. I said, find out the names of your neighbors, right? But Jesus sets the bar so ridiculously high, and he says, your neighbor is who you show Splunknon to. Feel it from deep inside. Pause for effect. Think about it. What if this applies not only to whomever, but to your actual neighbor? Remember I asked that question? Your actual neighbor. Yeah, them. The only splachnon I feel for my neighbor, you might say, and I've heard some of your stories, is why don't they keep their dog quiet? Why don't they clean up their yard? I feel it from my intestines. Why? I had a neighbor who reported us to, it was, it was when we first moved here, reported us because our tree was dying in the front yard, and it wasn't even our tree to... It was the whole community. They, they come by and they water it for us. You don't even water it yourself. And they, they reported us and we got a fine for $50 for not watering our tree more. And it was something was wrong with the tree. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. We have our feelings. We have our reasons. The only strong feelings we might have are negative ones. But can you consider... Tomorrow, Splunknon, <laughs> can you consider mercy? It's the same emotion that Jesus had when he left paradise, came here, and became like us. Why would he do this? Because he felt so strongly Christmas. Why we have Christmas? Because he felt mercy. He came down to us. Maybe we keep this going for Christmas with this. I, I'm thinking that, that way. It's the same emotion that Jesus had when he stopped and healed the blind man. It's the same Emotion Jesus felt when he, some, someone just touched me. Who touched me? And the lady says, it was me. And he said, you are whole because you touched the hem of my garment. It's the same emotion, Splunknon, that Jesus was, he was in a hurry. He had three years here, right, to, to finish everything. <laughs> and and he, and he stopped and he saw in the, in the parade of people that were all saying, Jesus is cool, there was a guy in a tree and he said, hey, you, up there in the tree, <laughs> what up? What are you up there for? Come on down. In fact, sorry guys, clear out my schedule and my calendar. I'm coming to your house to sit at your table today. Splunknon. Jesus was a great neighbor. Jesus understood what it meant to stop his busy schedule and help. In fact, the very next story, Mary and Martha are with Jesus, and Jesus says, Martha, you're too busy. You need to stop and enjoy the moment. 
So I have a question for us tonight, today, and tonight. Ask it tonight to yourself and tomorrow. Why are we so bad at loving our neighbor? We are. We're not the greatest. Why are we so bad at splunking on? I'm going to say yeah, some of you do okay, and I'm not saying this because you're walking away, Peter. I have it in my notes, and it's just perfect. I literally have this in my notes right now. There is a, some neighbors in this room, Peter and Lindsay. I've been to their house many times. Almost every time I've been to their house, there is not one, not two, maybe three, maybe four, maybe five other couples there from their neighborhood. They hang out with them, and they invite the pastor over to be a part of it. And I'm like, there's no one, no one does that. You're good neighbors. Maybe you have a splunk on, or maybe you're just faking it. I don't know, but yeah. Isn't that appropriate, right, when you were anyways? Why are we so bad at loving our neighbors? Perhaps we don't allow ourselves to stop, pause, listen, see. We don't allow ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us, bring it on me, Lord, splonknon. Now, I'm not saying we all do a terrible job of this. We all sometimes have our moments that we can pat ourselves on the back and people would be pretty impressed with us. But often we're like the Levite that walks by and instead of feeling the deep feelings, we feel the surface feelings. I know it's there, but I'm busy. I, I don't have time. I, I, I got other places to be. I, I am sorry, but I, my hands are dirty right now. I have to get to this. My kids are crying. I, we have all of our reasons, and they're surface feelings. They're not the deep feelings. If we allow the Holy Spirit to give us mercy, we might stop all of those other things, like the Samaritan, and say, I think I'll help you. I'm going to do what it takes. Jesus was great at this. He was great. He's perfect. He, he was the best example I can ever think of of someone who was good at neighboring people. He never seemed in a rush. Even though he was, he always had time. Okay. So I'm finished, and I asked you this question today. What do we know? You know where I got that? What do we know? We'll talk about it later. Jesus says, being a neighbor is showing mercy. How do we live this out? I want to give you just three practical things before we go. How do we live out Splachnon in our life? The first one, put it up there. Become interruptible. Become interruptible. Interruptions are an opportunity for God moments. They are. And it doesn't have to be just with your neighbor, neighbor, but anywhere you're at, become interruptible. I have a hard time with this. I'm busy, right? You see me all the time. I'm like busy, busy, busy. I need, I need to make this perfect for you. I need to do this. I need to do this. Become interruptible. <clears throat> your, your neighborhood, let's go there for a minute. It's not just some random place like we talked about last week. You're meant to be there. It's a sacred space 
where God has placed you as a minister. It's a sacred space. On Halloween, and some of you don't believe in Halloween, and that's fine, and I don't believe in a lot of it, but the here, here's what, what, what does. And, it and we put on some nice, like some fun music, and, and they would stop, and they'd hang out, and, and they interrupted our life for a little while. And maybe it's not a great example, but it's what happened this week. And I talked to so many people and, and so many smiles. And it was just because I took the time to be interruptible. Now, Cynthia, on the other hand, she was watching a game. And she was like, is it almost over? I'm, I'm watching the game, and it's too loud. The music's too loud. And uh, Just joking around. She, she really was all about it, too, but it was really cold. So she kept Jaden inside. And Reagan and I sat out there, and we were interruptible. We were giving ourselves a chance to be in a sacred space where people could come into our place and talk. And then you know what I did? Every now and then I would go to this neighbor, this neighbor, this neighbor, this neighbor, this neighbor, because it's the only time you can actually go to their house without it being weird for a moment, like, why are you coming to my door? I would knock on their door and I would say, hey, trick or treat, ha, 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 just kidding. Hey, how's it going? Good. How many kids have you had? Great. And it was a perfect opportunity to talk to them and use their name in a sentence. It was great. Anyways, become interruptible. Sec number two. This one's kind of weird, but work hard, and then when not working, don't work. Put that one up there. Work hard, and when not working, don't work. It's kind of weird, but we all work. We all do our thing, and some of you work at home. But there's a time and a place for work. And then there's a time and a place for stop working. What I find and what you find too, I'm sure you found this, you probably have a testimony about this. It's amazing what we see and hear when we stop working, when we just stop everything else, we stop our mind from thinking, and we just are present. Wow, I didn't even realize that tree had lost all its leaves already. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that they have not taken their <laughs> giant thing out of their front yard. You know, I'm moving on, right? So we s when we stop working, we see things. Europeans got this down. My parents just went to Italy and to Greece on a cruise. I feel so sorry for them. They're poor people. They're actually, uh, they had a great time, and now they're coming to visit us. You'll get to see them, and they're going to be here for 14 days. Yeah, how about that? So that's not something to clap about. Um, but um, they said while they were there, one thing they loved was that every street corner, you know the answer, you already know what I'm going to say probably, had a coffee shop, right? Had a little little table set up and little chairs and people sitting there talking. They understand what it means to stop working in Europe. We could do a better job at that in our, in our country. All right, moving on. The third one and the last one is this. And I tried not to be uh, Christianese with these, these things, even though they're straight from Jesus' life. Relationships, believe this or not, all right, this is going to blow your mind. I know you, you, can't, you can't accept this, can't understand this, but... In our society, this is not true, but relationships eclipse schedules. 
I don't mean get fired at work because you're talking to someone. But relationships eclipse schedules. In other parts of the world, they would say, of course, relationships are number one. I meet with pastors in Denver who are all from other cultures. They do not care about a schedule. Oh, we're going to meet at 10 o'clock. They don't care what time. They don't care uh, about a meeting. They don't care about, oh, come to our seminar. All they care about is, hey, can we get together for coffee? Can you eat our food? Can I make some of our food for you? You have to sit with me and eat our food. I'm like, why is that so important? Because they want to sit and they want to know me. And all I want to do is, like, pray for them and move on, right? E relationships eclipse schedules. Jesus knew this. I remember I was talking about when he stopped for Zacchaeus. He said, come on down. I'm coming to your house to hang out. Would you come up, my brother, and we're going to can we're going to conclude and thank you for playing and it's nice to see some of your family that are here today but if there's an underlying theme in this parable one that we don't always uh, see clearly here it is there's room on your 18 mile walk home for Splunknon there's room for mercy and it's not up to you to determine who gets it and who doesn't. It's up to you to just pour it out. He'll pour it back in. Don't worry. You're not going to run out of mercy. Well, I don't like that person. I compare myself with them, and I don't like them. I want to be better than them. We compare with other people, and we want others to be lower than us. And Jesus said, you got to get lower. You got to get lower, low, just like Flo Rida says, lower, 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 lower. It might be in the morning, it might be in the evening, but relationships eclipse schedule. Stop working when it's time to stop working, be interruptible. I have a neighbor who, her husband, uh, and it may not necessarily be uh, her, her, helping the, uh, what do you call it, the, the injured person on the side of the road. Your injured person could be a situation like I had. My neighbor said, can you come over? It was in the middle of the night. My husband's fallen over, <laughs> and he can't get, I can't get him up. He's too heavy. And um, she calls the ambulance from time to time, and they would help her, but they, she didn't want to call them. And so I came over, and I was kind of a little bit nervous, like, what's going on? And am I going to have to be a good Samaritan? I guess I'm going to. And I got there, and... And um, all I did was help him up off the floor, back into, onto his, like, walker. He walked to his room. And she's forever grateful to me for, like, 75 seconds that I was there helping. The same lady invited me to, when he passed away, to, to his funeral. The same lady, we talk all the time, and... And it was because I took a moment. And you know what? Sometimes helping the person on the side of the road takes time before you ever will get the opportunity to do this. It's a privilege that someone would ask you for help. It's a long game. It's not a game, but you know the word, the long game. Put that slide up there just so that everyone is tracking with me. Long-term results through small 
intentional steps. You ask yourself, how can I help my neighbor? How can I love them? Slowly, intentionally. And I'm going to leave you with a super practical thing, and you're going to say, this is too much, but I'm going to put it up there. Put it up there. Say the thing about say. Say, pray, play. There it is. Here's a easy thing to remember and that might not necessarily work for you and you say I don't care about this then just leave it to the side but if, if it means something to you remember this maybe take a picture of it stay pray play say stay is being there for them it takes a long time to be there for them it might be at the gas at the gas station it might be at the trash can for a month or two years before you would do more than that. You're there with them. Hey, hey, well, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here. Okay, goodbye. They know you're there. You don't have to, like, to announce it. I'm here for you. Just stay around. Be there. And then here is probably the most important one that we underestimate. Pray. Pray and, oh, let me pray for you. Come on. Let me pray for you. No, pray in private. Pray in private. It might come up. They might come to you and ask for prayer, but until they do, pray in private for them. You will not ever know the power of your secret prayer. Lord, I just pray for me to have the opportunity to minister to them. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for their situation. I pray for their husband. I pray for this situation. You pray, and you watch what God does. You might even say, Lord, give me opportunities to become friends with them. Pray. Play, that's the fun one. That's, it's, takes, it, it, it's, a, it's another level, though. My neighbor said to me a couple days ago, we should do a party. And I'm like, my prayers are working because I would have loved to said that, but I didn't think they would ever want to. They said, we should have a party. And I said, yes, we should. When you get to that point where you can hang out with them, eat with them, have parties with them. Don't, don't party with them, but have parties with them. Hang out. Maybe go to a game with them. I don't know what it is. That's playing. And then, and then, only then, usually, you don't get right to say, unless you're someone like maybe Pat Simpson, she might get right to say right away. But then you will have the opportunity to be a good Samaritan. Speak life to them. Help them. Come to their house. Do things like that. You got it? Stay, pray, play, say. All right, bow your heads with me. We're going to close with a prayer. I'm going to ask two, two of you to come up and help me with this prayer that feel like you want to pray for your neighborhood. Not everybody else is just yours. Would you come up here and just stand next to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you pray. Two people just come up here. I feel like that's needed. Maybe it's for you or maybe it's for others to hear your prayer. But Lord, we come before you right now in, in the presence of all of our friends and neighbors in this room. We thank you that you keep us in your hiding place and you protect us and you care for us. But Lord, we sense a need, a challenge to step out from where we are and share mercy with someone else. 
it may not seem very spiritual to hang out with them or to talk to them or some of the things we've talked about, but there's nothing closer to being like Christ than to become a good neighbor. We want to thank you so much for joining us for the New Song Podcast. One of the things Jesus teaches us that when we've been invested in, that we should also become investors. I want to encourage you that if New Song is one of the platforms where your faith in Jesus becomes more real, go to newsongcs.com forward slash give right now and be a one-time giver or a recurring giver and help us spread the gospel from Colorado to the ends of the earth.